everybody. Uh, I know it's pretty early. I don't know about you guys, but I'd like that hour back. Man, I tell you. Um, I was going to tell you guys a story about a guy named Kevin who got tired of his wife uh, hassling him about having that about hassling him about going to the bar so much. So one day he just says, "You know what? You just want to come with me?" She goes, "Yes, let's go." So they get to the bar and he kindly says, "Honey, what do you want to drink?" She goes, "I don't know. Whatever, whatever you drink." And he says, "Well, okay." Tells the bartender, two Johnny Walkers on on the rocks, please." And the bartender brings them, and she takes a sip, and she's like, "Yeah, that's it. Tastes like crap. This is garbage. I don't know how you do this." And he tells her, "You see, honey, you think I do this to have a good time?" <laughs> Sounds like about like a man, doesn't it? Yeah. Well. Um, Pastor Curtis asked me to speak for the next couple of weeks, and uh, I appreciate him for giving me the opportunity. Uh, I'll just introduce myself real quick. My name is J.R. Contreras. Um, I guess I've been here a little over a year now. Um, I'm married, and I have a, just a wonderful wife. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm I married up, that's for sure. I've been married 14 years. Uh, I am on my second marriage, so I screwed it up the first time. Um, I have four kids. My oldest uh, from my previous marriage, my pride and joy, his name's Patrick. He's 22. And uh, got my stepson up in Colorado. Please pray for him. He's in a liberal state and uh, up at Colorado State University. So we're <laughs> having to clash on some few issues. But I am claiming him for the kingdom. So um, we're just going to fight for him. My stepdaughter, Chloe. Uh, Holy Spirit's an amazing work in her. It's just a beautiful thing. Um, she has an incredible testimony already. and uh, But she's doing all right. And a 12-year-old, uh, my daughter who we have together, she is. Uh, she just asked the Lord to be, uh, Jesus to be her Lord and Savior last Sunday. So that was a celebration, and that was really, really cool. So uh, everything's lining up. Um, I've been in the utility business for over 28 years. I worked for Xcel Energy for a little over 26 years. Currently employed with Higher Power Electrical and a project manager there. And uh, my boss, Robert Malcolm, I don't know if anybody knows him. Our home office is in Plainview, and we basically build uh, power line uh, construct, uh, construction for a power line. Uh, Customers are XL Energy, Lee County Electric, and, and some outfits out of Oklahoma. So uh, pretty wide territory. Really love my job. My boss says uh, we're a ministry that builds power lines. So I'm really proud to be a part of it. Um, I'm going to throw an invitation out. April 7th, we have an event uh, I usually lead and organize called Man Night. Uh, last time we had over, well, we have, up, we have had up to 100 guys. Over 12 churches represented, and uh, we have a good time. All we do is we eat, uh, we praise the Lord, and then uh, talk about what the Lord shared with us. It's it's pretty fantastic. So if y'all are interested in joining us April 7th, uh, come see me. And uh, t this morning, uh, when, when Pastor Curtis asked me to uh, to speak to you guys, I uh, 
I've had several messages going through my mind, but I guess this being the men's ministry, I wanted to just share something with you guys. And that's this. I'm a man. I'm a man. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a man. If you want to beat your chest, just say it. I'm a man. I'm a man. That's right. That's right. But unfortunately, in being a man, there's some other things that come with the territory. Amen? Things like pride, you know, insecurities, lust, you know, passiveness, sometimes on the flip side of the coin, aggression. <clears throat> but what I wanted to talk about is, um, if you want to go ahead and start the PowerPoint, is uh, it's called a capstone of manhood. And I was looking up the definition of manhood, and uh, I came up with this definition. Male maturity. It kind of sounds funny. <laughs> is that an oxymoron? <laughs> Male maturity. Think about that. Male maturity. I uh, came to the Lord in the summer of 1999, and I've been walking with him ever since. And, uh, you know, I think back, and I'm thinking just how such, what, what an idiot I was, you know, B.C., before Christ. So I had an old perception of manhood. And uh, one of them was climbing the corporate ladder at all expense, at any expense, I was going to be the president of XL Energy. Man, that's what I was going to do. By the time I'm 50, I'm going to be there. And I don't care what it takes, but that's what I was going to do. And it did come at an expense. I lost my family, my first marriage. And I hear I'm almost 50, and I'm not the president of XL Energy. But that's okay. You know, you live and learn. My, another perception that I had of manhood was juggling girls. Stupid. You know, at one time I was working in the Seminole office, and uh, I was talking to this girl I had met at the counter when I worked in the office there. And we had three trunk lines at the office, and there were three calls on hold, three girls trying to get a hold of me. My boss finally got tired of it, called me to the office and said, JR, that's enough. Stupid. I hurt a lot of girls, and I hurt some relationships. Manhood. Yeah, right. Another perception of manhood that I had was <laughs> my car payment was higher than my house payment. At back in 91, my first house that I bought, my house payment was $250, little 900-square-foot house. But my car payment was like $750. Now, if any of you are in that situation, well, I'm not going to say, but it was stupid for me. <laughs> and uh, I had no, no discipline with my finances. It was all about the car, you know. So that was my perception of manhood. Ambition, lust, materialism, 
Boy, I wish I could just turn back time sometimes. But in my, but today, I'm recognizing what it takes to be a man. And that's every morning on your knees, getting direction from, from the Holy Spirit, praising my Lord. I think that's the man. When he wakes up in the morning and just gets direction for his day. That's all it is. You know, uh, when I was looking up the definition of manhood, um, the thesaurus came up. And I was so surprised and excited, actually, to see what other, the words that came with the word manhood. Strength. Courage. Determination. Virility. That's my favorite. Virility. Boldness. Manliness. I want y'all to repeat those with me. Strength, courage, determination, virility, boldness, and manliness. <clears throat> I was really shocked, honestly, to see these words associated with the word manhood. Now I'm going to ask you guys, what do others see in you? If you're married, what does your wife see? Do you portray these characteristics? If you have children, do these kids see that in you? What about your other friends? Those people around you, what is it that you portray? Because I'll tell you, if you're not portraying these, these types of qualities, if you're not portraying strength, then you're portraying weakness. If you're not portraying courage, then you're probably portraying fear. If you're not portraying determination, then you're probably betraying give upness. I didn't know what the opposite of determination was, so we'll go with give upness. If you're not portraying virility, then you're probably portraying complacency. If it's not boldness, it's probably passiveness. If you're not portraying manliness, you're probably portraying, I don't know, Caitlyn Jenner. I'll just say it. So the purpose of my talk this morning is to bring manhood to the top. And it's a capstone as illustrated on my next slide here. And I looked up the definition of capstone. And it's called the, the finishing stone of a structure. Now, I loved the secondary meaning of it. Secondary meaning showed the crowning achievement. That's why I put manhood at the top. The crowning achievement. See, guys, the Lord created us, man, and he created woman, with differences physically and emotionally. And I believe there's a divine purpose in being a man. And so I'm ready to bring manhood to the top, to really talk about it. 
to really live it, to help others live it. In my ministry uh, with with uh, other men, I find that a lot of us are just hurting. And we can't really see or understand what manhood should really be. And I'm here to defend it. You know, we've talked before that manhood, male masculinity is under attack. Well, I'm really tired of it and I'm ready to defend it. But in my illustration here, in order to take manhood to the top, the capstone, there's some responsibility on our part which is the pillars. Now, I stole the pillars from a book, called, uh, from Stu Weber's book called Tender Warrior. Back when uh, I got married in 2003, my mother-in-law gave me this book called Tender Warrior, and that book spoke to me. Uh, I recommend it to you guys. It is an awesome book. So he, Stu Weber called these pillars the pillars of a man's heart. And that's king, warrior, mentor, and friend. And we'll, we'll discuss these pillars next week in a little more detail on how to live out these pillared life. But what I want to talk about this morning is what they're resting on. The foundation of faith. Now, these pillars are important because they hold up the capstone. And notice what they're not. They're not pride. They're not lust. They're not insecurities. It's, it's not laziness. It's not aggression. It's not passiveness. But most importantly, they're, they're on a foundation. You're a, you're a carpenter. How important is the foundation for a building? Pretty important. <laughs> yeah, definitely that. So my question to everyone this morning is, what foundation of your manhood, what's it built on? Might, might it be your career, as I was trying to build earlier? Is it on your portfolio? And the number of toys you have. Is it the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> now, I'm calling the foundation of manhood faith. Now, I was trying to think of one word that would sum up God our Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, salvation, justification, redemption, sanctification, holiness. I'm trying to think, I was trying to think of one word for the, to label this foundation, and it just came to me. It's just our faith. I mean, none of that stuff really matters then if we don't have a deep-rooted faith in our God and everything that goes with it. Now, here's what Hebrews 11.6 says. And without what, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Therefore, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he 
rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. So a second question comes to mind for those who might say yes and amen that my foundation is on faith. Faith in God. Well, my question to you is how deep is it? How deep does it go? How deep have you gone in him? I want you to look in the mirror a little bit. How deep have you gone in him? Okay, so you trust him, but can he trust you? So, okay, you would die for him, but would you live for him? That's a tough part. I had a friend that just went through the walk to Emmaus with me, and boy, the, the guy was, he was ornery before the walk, and He's come out, come out of it, and he's been telling me, Jr. I've been reading the Bible every day since we come out of the walk about four weeks ago now. And he says, this is tough. <laughs> it's, it's tough to, to do what this book says. I said, amen. It takes a man to live this walk. So would you live for him? Okay, so you called Jesus your Savior, but is, is he your Lord? There's a difference. Okay, so you pray, but do you hear his voice? Are you living in peace? Are you living in victory? In forgiveness? Are you living in humility? Are you ready to tell your enemy in his face, bring it on? Is that all you got? Because I serve a powerful, loving father who's on my side. And he and I are the, are the majority. So how deep is your foundation of faith in him? What are the ramifications of building a building on a shallow or a weak foundation? What do you see with the building? It's a dangerous thing to be under a building like that, isn't it? Well, I'm going to read Matthew 7. I didn't know if... Well, oh, there he is. <laughs> we'll, we'll read Matthew 7 together. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Great was the fall of it. Now it's not enough that the house fell, but great was the fall of it. 
And I asked myself why. And as a man, it would, because, it would be because of the innocent bystanders. If I don't have my house on the stone, on stone, on rock, on Jesus, how great would my house fall because of my, my wife, my kids? It would be a great fall. Now I wonder, I was wondering as I was preparing this message, what it, why is it that we build, some men build on, on the wrong foundation or, 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 or they're not building on stone, they're not building on the rock of Jesus Christ. And I really think it's an identity crisis. We don't know who we really are. And we really don't know what our purpose is sometimes. Well, this morning, I'd like to help with either replacing or reinforcing or, or deepening your foundation in your faith. And I want to show this video to remind you or to introduce who you really are. So let's let's watch this. I am going to introduce you to the gospel right now. You are a rebel. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, I'll tell you straight up. You are a rebel against the living God. This is your natural disposition. Why? Because you were born in sin. We are in a prison cell. And it takes the awakening and the grace of God, you call it the provenient grace of God, to awaken us to the fact that we are lost and we can't get out. We're headed towards destruction fast. The enemy, because of our rebellion against God, has legal rights to harm and harass our life. There you are behind the prison cell. Help, I need out! You can't get out. Those prison bars are stronger than any adamant. There is no way you can cut them because they're stronger than diamond. It is impenetrable. You cannot escape. You're doomed because when the enemy comes in in the very end and he's gonna finish you off because he has legal right to do it and he's gonna relish every minute of it. In strolls your intercessor, your mighty man. And he stands between you and that accuser and he takes the hit that was rightfully yours. He takes the blow that was intended for you. That is an extraordinary reality that he was turned to a pulp and he actually died. God died for you. Over your prison cell, it is always said condemned, separated eternally from God, guilty. And then suddenly it switches. When you realize what Jesus Christ has done, it says justified. It says forgiven, redeemed. Here's the problem. Most of us have stopped with the good news right there. The blood of Jesus Christ has been shed and he was killed. And I want you to know that is unbelievable news. But we are still in a prison cell. 
And so we're praising God from within a prison cell going, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for changing the sign on the outside of the prison. And God's word says, could you check the door to the prison cell? Because my blood was shed for more than just forgiveness. Forgiveness was the avenue through which he could make the escape for us. He isn't just interested in dealing with the consequences or the penalty of sin. He's also dealt with the problem of sin. Test the door. It's unlocked. The door to the prison cell is unlocked. Walk out. Smell the open air of freedom and liberty in the light of Jesus Christ. When you get outside the prison cell, there's like this chariot that's waiting. Emissaries from the king, and they say, the king beckons you into his presence. You know how bizarre this is when you realize that you were a rebel? That you were undeserving completely? The living God has literally given up his life for you, and now he has set you free, and now the very king is beckoning you into his presence? It's like, are you sure you have the right guy here? I'm a rebel. I, I stood against my God. I spat in his face. How, how could he want me? The king beckons you. You get in the chariot. And as you're pulling into the kingdom, you're looking for where they might drop you off. You're looking for that poor district. You're saying, where, where are you taking me? Well, into the very near presence of the king. He wants you to live right where he lives. Not just the penalty, not just the problem, but an invitation into his very near presence. But as you're coming in, the emissaries say, he wants to adopt you as his child. Me? Child? We are brought in and invited near to share his heart. You come into his presence totally broken before the reality of what he has done for you. I don't deserve this. Why have you done this for me? I love you. I have a commission for you. For me? You want to have me work for you? I want you to work for me. I want you to represent me. Absolutely. Anything I can do for you, just tell me. I need you to go back to that prison cell that I took you out of because there's a whole bunch more that need to know about me and my love and my truth. Will you go for me? In a heartbeat, I would, I would gladly serve you any way you want, any way you ask. I need to forewarn you. I'm gonna send you out and you'll be as a sheep among wolves. They'll kill you. They'll destroy you, they'll hate you, they'll persecute you. They will do whatever they can to harm you. I'm in. I'll do it, God. I don't care. You shed your blood for me. I would gladly shed my blood for you. Take my body. Take my blood. Spend it any way you want. I belong to you in, in covenant. Take me, Lord Jesus. Send me. The commission, not just the penalty, not just the problem, not just the invitation to his very near presence, not just the adoption as a son and a daughter of the King of Kings, but we are commissioned to represent him. And I want you to realize that it's a privilege beyond all other privileges to bear the very name, the very image, the very reputation of God Almighty. And he says, I ask you to go. Go and make disciples of all men. Go and be unashamed of my gospel and preach it. Go, rescue the lost in the power of my name. For is not the lamb that was slain worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. I'll go. And as you're beginning to head out with his blessing, he says, hold it, wait, 
There's one more thing. Not just the penalty, not just the problem, not just the invitation to his very near presence, not just the adoption as a son or a daughter of the king, and not just the commission. This is the capstone. If you think that is all good, you could wrap that all up into one ball and it still falls short of the final one. Because this final one is so condescending on the part of our king. It is so bewildering. It is so extraordinary, so amazing. And this is the truth that turns the world upside down. Before you go, what I'm sending you out to do is impossible. I know. And if you do it in your own strength, you'll fail. I don't care. I'm willing to do whatever you ask of me. And if you want me to go in there and just die, I'm willing. I'm sending you out to be a victor. My children will not lose. Would you give me your body? And I will come in and make it my home. And I will take those hands of yours and make them my hands. I will take those feet of yours and make them my feet. I will take that mouth of yours and it will speak my words. I will take those eyes of yours and they can now see what I need you to be seen in this world. And I will take your heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh so that it will beat with my burdens and you will care for the very things that I care about. And your prayers will become my prayers. And your life and your attitude and your behavior every minute of every day will be the very behavior of God. Will you allow me to overtake your life? Because then we go into this world as little lambs with the faces of lions. Because the living God Almighty, the consuming, almighty, sovereign God dwells within his children. And as we stand and the wolf pack surrounds us, we stand in the authority in the name of Jesus and we will not back down. Because we do not head off to war to lose. We head off to war to win. Our God mocks all the powers of earth and hell through fluffy little lambs because his lambs beat the wolf packs. That's the gospel. The gospel trounces upon all the powers of earth and hell and demonstrates to the universe the manifold wisdom of God that he is in control. And even though we look weak, and even though physically and naturally we are weak, spiritually greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. That is good news. And it is a lot better than what's being dealt out today in the church. We need to rise up, proclaim the gospel, and say, I'm unashamed of it. Dear Lord Jesus, take what is rightfully yours. Don't just send us. Send us with yourself. Firmly planted within our souls. We cannot do your work. We cannot bring you glory. Even though we're willing to do it without you. Please, if you want to come with us, why in the world would we ever try? You don't have to pull off the impossible on your own. You don't have to fail any longer. Your God is ready to do it in and through you. You can't do it. You can't muster up the discipline. You can't muster up the intellect. You can't muster up the strength. You can't muster up the perseverance and the fortitude. He can. You can't love the lost. You can't love those that spit upon your face. He can. Don't pray that God would teach you how to love like he loves. Pray that he would fill you with himself and he would love in and through you. Don't pray that he would teach you to have joy. Pray that the living God full of joy would enter into you. Don't pray that he would teach you how to be peaceful. Ask for the God of peace, the Prince of Peace to infill you. Because if you try and imitate in your own strength, 
you will be a miserable replica. But if you allow the impartation of Jesus Christ to overtake you, suddenly it all works because it's him imitating himself. And he's very good at being God. But I notice I don't have the sword with me. Sometimes that wolf pack is like my thoughts and, you know, life. Sometimes it's my wife. <laughs> but I notice it's those days when I, I don't have my sword, the word of God. So <clears throat> I hope this video kind of set the foundation to build on for each and every one of us this morning. You know, how do we do this? I think first and foremost, you know, our quiet time, our time with the Lord. I honestly believe the the fertile the fertilizer for relationship is time so how much time do you spend with the lord you know his word i heard a pastor say that your relationship with the lord is directly proportional to your relationship with your bible that's the truth maybe we can build our foundation by serving a little more giving a little more you know those times when you do go into your secret place to to spend some quiet time with the Lord maybe you're not feeling it maybe it's just a time to praise him put on some music that praises him don't put on some praise music out there that talks about your your condition right now <laughs> put some music on that sings how great he is do you have accountability partners? I've got one for several areas of my life. Um, for my financial part, uh, part of my life, I have an accountability partner there. For marriage, I have an partner, accountability partner. For my war against pornography, I have an accountability partner. For my uh, career, I have an accountability partner. Things like that. So are there lots of ways out there to build on your foundation of faith. So to summarize and what the video said that <clears throat> you're a man who has been forgiven. So leave your sins where they belong. At the cross and in, in the past. It's gone. You are a man who lives in freedom. So take the chains off and walk out of the prison cell. 
you are a man who has been invited to live as heirs with Christ. Accept it. You're a man who's been adopted by a loving father. Get in his lap and call him daddy. And so you're a man who has been commissioned to represent him. Report for duty. And you're a victor. And you're not meant to lose. So go out and win. So this is your identity. This is who you are. You're a man. Amen? So we'll continue next week to discuss the pillars. So I just want to pray over you guys real quick. Father God, thank you. Thank you, thank you for this opportunity to gather. Thank you for the many blessings that come with this day and even the challenges because I know you're building the character you need in us. So Father, those of us who are in storms of life, I pray God that you just come in and give us the strength and the wisdom just to go through it and win. So Lord, I lift every man in here today and those who could not be here, God, that you would reveal yourself in a mighty way, that you will speak to their hearts, that you will give them your orders for the day. And I pray that at the end of this day, we can sign your name to it. Guide us, lead us, and protect us. In Jesus' name, amen.